Today's reading is from John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27, and verses 32 through 44. And now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the... Oh, sorry. I think... No, it's correct. <laughs> in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen stripes, and the face warped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. We're not here last Sunday, and... Um, I'm doing something a little strange. I'm continuing last Sunday's sermon. It's effectively a, a continuation of last week's. I mean, I, I keep thinking about this. It's either a continuation or it's actually kind of a repeat, a restatement. 
I, I often, throughout this week, I, I felt like I was going to say the same sermon, but not the same way. And this is a big and important passage um, about what it means that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, but it's not really what people think it's about. Everywhere we're so distracted, it seems strange to call it distraction, uh, distracted by the fantastic miracle that happens on the back end of this story, but really, the important stuff happens in the interaction between Jesus and Mary and Martha before he actually raises Lazarus from the dead. Um, so the, today's, uh, if you haven't heard it, um, I urge you can go on our, our, our YouTube channel and you can hear that message. Um, and if that one, you like that one better, then that's good, okay? If you like this one better, that's good. Um, but I think if you listen to this message, you'll actually begin, and if you maybe even re-listen to last week's message, you can see that much of what I'm saying today was kind of there in last week's message, but I want to make it much clearer and, and, um, and explicit in today's message. Um, this, today I thought it was a, a little interesting. Um, I, uh, you know, Young, Pastor Young, you know, he, he does our bulletin and he sent me a text asking for the sermon title. And then um, I sent it to him. And then, um, you know, he, and then when I got to church and I looked at it, he, uh, it, it, he didn't quite get it right. I'm not trying to blame him. He, he actually, I should have known he was going to do this because he corrected the grammar. Okay, so um, I don't know if any of you guys remember your, your junior high school grammar. Um, the way I, I sent him, the, this is the title of today's message. Truth and love meets, meets suffering, all right? And um, you're like, well, what's wrong with that? Uh, well, that's, that's grammatically wrong, okay? If, uh, if you remember, there's subject and verb agreement. You know, you're, if you're, your high school English teacher taught you this. If you have two, a plural subject, truth and love, that's plural, right? There's two, truth and love, then you have to have a plural verb, okay? Truth and love meet uh, suffering. That's the way Pastor Young, he was, he was an English major. So was I, Okay. <laughs> And so I should have just known Young would, you know, he'd have proper grammar and just fix it. And, and, and I didn't bother telling him, don't fix it. Don't fix it, okay? Um, because um, the, the right title is Truth and Love Meets Suffering because truth and love is one person. I said to you last week, um, the title of last week's message was The Resurrection and the Life in my life? That was the question. The resurrection and the life in my life. The resurrection and the life is a person. Hmm. Is he in your life? Today, like I told you, it's almost the same sermon. <laughs> Truth and suffering meets one person. Suffering. And that's what we're going to wrestle with today, okay? Hmm. In three parts. Part one, the strange, confusing delay. <laughs> The strange, confusing delay, because that's what happens in the first part of the story. A delay, which is, uh, which doesn't really make sense, okay? Part two, bigger than the fix-it God. That's the kind of God you and I want. But that's not the God that Jesus wants to be. In fact, it's not the God he is. Huh? Bigger than the fix-it God. And we'll close out um, today's message by saying the God on the other side of the cross. What we're talking about today is suffering. 
We're talking about hurting. Last week, I called it dying. It's all the same. Suffering, hurting, dying. What kind of a God do you have when um, the bottom drops out in your life and you feel like you're dying? So let's get into it. Part one, the strange, confusing delay. Mostly what I'm going to do in this is just highlight, I can't you know, go through all 44 verses, which I'd like, and if you've never read it, you should read all 44. Read it very, very carefully. It's very interesting. It's very odd. But I want to highlight um, a couple of the oddities. Verse 5. Right. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So they're close. These are very, very close people. Um, you know, Martha, Mary, you know, he, they, they have this kind of relationship with Jesus. If you text him, he texts back. <laughs> He's on the favorites on the iPhone. Right? Personal relationship. We get their names. The Bible tells you he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He's very close to these people. Verse 6. So, therefore, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That does not make sense. Did you catch that? So, he loves them. He loves them. He loves them. He hears that his friend is sick. He knows it's bad. He knows it's bad. Um, later on, they have this thing. He says, Lazarus says, then he goes, let's go back. You know, they finally tell the disciples, they, they get confused because they think he didn't want to go to Jerusalem because um, his life is in danger. Um, the, the, the leaders... Uh, of, of the Jews, they want to murder him. They want to put him to death because they think he's blaspheming, blaspheming for saying weird things like, I am the bread of life. I am, um, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The, the, the worst one is, the one that they really hate, is before Abraham was, I am. Which in the Jewish way, because in Exodus, when Moses asked God, what's your name? He said, I am the I am. That's my name. So if, if a man says before Abraham was, and then he goes, I am. He's been very, very clear what he's saying. And the Jews are the, this, C.S. Lewis said that the Jews are the last people on earth that could believe that a man is God. And so if you say that, at least at this time, it's a capital crime. They stone you. To this day, do you know that the Jews are among the most resistant people to believe in Christianity, in the gospel? It's really wild. Um, it's out of their scriptures. The Savior is a Jewish guy. Um, of all the ancestry of their people, and the true and living God, they are among the most resistant to believe this. They cannot be confused at what he said, he's saying. So, but then he finally goes, let's go. And he says, so Lazarus, our friend, has fallen asleep. And then there's an almost comical section. Of, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be okay. And then he goes, no, he, he, he's dead. <laughs> so Jesus knew. Jesus knew that the sickness is bad. And so you get to verse 5, but it's, then it's a 6. But he said, but then he, he, he in, uh, intentionally, on purpose, delayed. Made them wait. 
Now just stop for a moment here. Who are we talking about? We are talking about Miracle Man. <laughs> we are talking about power like you never saw before. These people who are with Jesus, they know, okay, our, our brother's sick. They know if he shows up, he won't die. In fact, they not only know, that you do notice, when they get to the, in the story, when you get to Mary and Martha, they say exactly the same thing. Two very, very different people, two very, very different reactions, but they say exactly the same thing. If you had been here, our brother would still be alive. They both say exactly the same thing. And then, do you, I don't know if you follow the story, do you notice all the other people, the train of mourners that come along too, they actually say the same things too. He's the one that you know, could heal the blind. And if he, if he was here, wouldn't Lazarus be okay? <laughs> so even they know. They all know he's got power. They all know he's the miracle man. <laughs> they all know he can fix it. So if you got a friend like that, so now let's just don't think of this as just a story. You have to put yourself in this story. If you want to understand what this story, you got to be, put yourself in the Mary Martha place. So as I was wrestling with this, I thought about this. I got a friend like Jesus. He's on my favorites on the iPhone. <laughs> and if I, you know, there are friends, a number of you, I'm closer to some of you than others, but some of you, I'm, I'm not even as close to if I called you and I had a, a real need and it had to do with like one of my children and they were hurting, you'd show up <laughs> quick. And if you was close to me and if I, if I called you, I'm like, Elizabeth is sick. She's dying. Come help me. I mean, you, you'd be there. <laughs> right? I hope. <laughs> So let's, let's, let's take my baby girl when she's sick, and it's bad. I got a friend. He's got power. He can fix it. He's like better than the surgeons, better than any pill, all put together. I mean, you literally seen blind guy. Boom, you can see. You, you watch it happen. You know this, ain't, this is not a trick. It's not a theory. You, miracle. It's real. <laughs> Leper guy. <laughs> they're like, wow, I would never, you know, like, stay over there. <laughs> and then heals him. They're like, let me check that out. You have seen this happen. And then he, on purpose, he delayed. And really bad stuff happened. Something horrible happened. You, can you relate to this? <laughs> Um, there are many people in our city who don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in God. And they think that we, you know, who do believe in Jesus, we're, we're dumb. <laughs> a certain percentage of them, and I suspect a large percentage of them, um, they don't believe in God for this. <laughs> Something bad is happening in their life. And they just start... And maybe they're eight years old. Dear God, dear God, dear God, please don't let my mom and dad get divorced. Please don't let them get divorced. Please don't let them get divorced. And then the guy with power, he delays. 
And now dad is living over there with some other woman. Or, dear God, dear God, please don't let like, mommy die of, of cancer. Oh, it's worse. How about this one? Dear God, dear God, whenever my uncle comes over and sleeps over at our house, he comes into my bedroom at night and touches me in really, really bad ways. Please don't let him do that. Please don't let him do that. And then he delays. How can an almighty God delay? Intentionally, <laughs> on purpose. That's what we're wrestling with today. Um, let's go to part two. So he comes. Comes. And so... All of us in one way or another, you're probably got either the Martha reaction or the Mary reaction. You know, a lot of these people today, like if there's a God, how could he possibly let that happen? He's supposed to love you, right? All these dumb, dumb Christians, they say God loves you. What kind of a God who loves you lets this kind of stuff happen? So Martha comes to Jesus and, you know, she, she's, she's a goody-goody. She knows her Bible. If you know the other parts of the Bible, she, she's, she's a goody-goody. She's always doing what you're supposed to do. And um, when Jesus starts talking about this weird stuff about resurrection and life, she starts giving like the right theology. She's she got the right Bible answers. She knows the Bible answer. But then she says, if you were here, this wouldn't happen. You know how I hear her? You know, you know that it's like in your head, you're trying to be a goody-goody, and you use every like works righteousness legalism to say the right thing, to think the right thing. <laughs> but inside, you're, you're, you're upset, <laughs> maybe angry, disappointed. I'm telling you, if my daughter, if Jesus is my friend, and my daughter died, I'll be ticked. <laughs> disappointment probably isn't the right word. It's at least, at least disappointment would be there. But it's really hard when the person you're disappointed with and ticked with is God. <laughs> That's hard. That's really hard. You're like, <laughs> she even says it. I know you are the Christ. <laughs> even now, if you ask, if you ask God, he'll, he'll, it's like, you know, you know, like, even now, you, if you ask God, I know he will do what you ask. There, <laughs> what the heck, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's how I think of her. And then when Mary shows up, She's, she basically says the same thing, except she just falls apart. Just, just if you're here. You know what I think is going on? Um, you know what we want God to be? We want him to be the fix-it. We want him to be a fix-it. We want him to be a cosmic handyman. <laughs> you know, the plumbing breaks in your, in your life. 
You ever had the plumbing not work in your life? Or you ever had your plumbing like in your house? It's terrible. <laughs> can't flush the toilet, can't take it. It's terrible. You want you got the plumber, you gotta show up soon. Huh? So the plumbing breaks in your life, and we want fix it, man. That, that's not even the worst kind of suffering. We want God to be the fix it man. Or uh, how about this one? There's pain. Be the pain solution. God. God equal pain solution. God equal cosmic Tylenol. <laughs> um, kind of like worldwide, universal, kind of like great anesthesia. You know, there's pain. You take this and the pain goes away. That's what we want. But his answer to that is no. <laughs> That's what's happening. Um, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. If you had shown up, I wouldn't be depressed and angry and falling apart and can't keep my job because I wouldn't have been abused. You, you, you think back to that point in history. You just think back to your life. Da, 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 da. You think right before, if you show, right here. You show up right here, and then this wouldn't happen, and then my life would have been okay. Where were you? kind of God is that? So, you know, we say these things. So it's like this, it seems like an absolutely inescapable piece of logic. God with power. If he loves, doesn't let this happen. But then you actually go into the Bible. Then you actually see the one who's, and then you see him do it. It's not like, just the Bible just says, you know, there's suffering and then, you know, there's a God's a good God. You actually see the one who is God do it on purpose. <laughs> he did it on purpose. So, you know, when we feel this pain, and you feel like the suffering and the hurt is so bad, you feel like you're dying, you, you, you don't actually say this in your, out loud. Maybe you do, but especially if you're a Martha type like me, you don't actually say it. You, you dare, don't even want to think it. You go, God, let, let me down. Okay, no, 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 that's wrong. Okay, bad theology. <laughs> Fix that. <laughs> but, the, but your feeling is so intense and so pained, inside the feeling, you're saying it. <laughs> you know, the Bible says that your heart speaks that your heart thinks. That's not how we, we, we're used to. We tend to think of the emotions as our heart, but the Bible says your heart and the emotions are, it's like an overflow of the heart for sure. But you know, your heart speaks. And when you're in that, in like that great suffering and intense pain, it speaks things like this. Well, um, if you had been here, it wouldn't have happened. Other sorts of things happen. If he could have fixed this, but didn't, then he must not really be good. That's, that's big. It's all around our, our society. That's what these Christians, the Bible says God is. He's good. But, but in my life, this happened. And if he could have fixed it, could have prevented it, but didn't, then he must not be good. Um, it gets worse. If he could have 
he could, you know, you know, he's big. He's almighty sovereign God. He could have like stopped it at this point in history, right? But he didn't. That, then he must not really love. Oh, it gets worse. <laughs> if he could have prevented this but didn't, he must not really love me. <laughs> I know he loves people. He loves people. Seems to love that guy. Everything worked out in his life. Probably like loves the pastor because, you know, the pastor is like godly kind of guy, right? <laughs> but look what happened in my life. He must not actually love me. Okay, one more. <laughs> if he could have prevented this... But he delayed, and then this awful, horrific thing happened to me. Okay, I know he loves me. He loves me. Okay, you're, sure, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm, he loves me. <laughs> I actually felt it sometimes. But he must not love me that much. Any of you ever had some of these thoughts or feelings, which are thoughts? I bet you you have. I have. I'm a professional Christian. <laughs> I've had these thoughts. I think that's what Mary's, that's happening here. I think that's the story. Both Mary and Martha, in two different ways. Mary, she just falls apart. She's just so broken, she probably can't even be angry. Or maybe she is angry, and she, maybe she's crying because she's angry. I don't even know. But both of them are doing blame. I'm disappointed in you. And to Martha, here's what he, 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 he gives a truth which doesn't make sense. He gives her a truth. You, you like theology, Martha. I'll give you now bigger theology. I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> um, I am God. I am the I am. <laughs> it's all the same. They're all the same statement. You understand? That's what he's saying. Um, I want you to think a little about this for a moment. When God says that I am the resurrection and the life, you know what the resurrection is? It's a life on the other side of death. <laughs> Which means I'm a God that does not avoid the hurt. So that's what he's saying. She's not, she doesn't get it. <laughs> um, but there's more. There's more. Um, so to, Ma to Martha, he offers her a big truth. <laughs> here's, here's the clash that's happening between Martha and Jesus. Where were you? I think underneath her saying, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He's saying, how come you weren't the fix-it God? How come you didn't fix this? 
don't you love us? You must not love us. Don't fix it. Don't love us. Absolutely unbreakable chain of logic, right? No. God says something else. If I'm going to be here, I'm not the fixer God. I'm bigger. I'm more. I want you to get this. I'm more. And so now go to Mary. So for her, big truth. Bigger than we want, actually. We, we don't actually want this truth. We actually don't want it. If our life could be safe and easy and nice and comfortable and perfect, perfect. And then like that breaks and then it hurts and then it hurts really, really bad. The main thing we just really want is fix it. But then we don't want Jesus to show up and say, I'm actually more. Then some of us, we, we don't even, we can't even do that. It's like it's so like, like our mind, we can't think theologically or can't receive a truth. Like truth, can't even have a, I can't have a rational conversation with you. <laughs> I'm hurting so bad. It's just all torn up. But she still says the same thing. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But there's more. You know what he does? He starts to cry. <laughs> he sees her hurt. He sees it all that is tearing her apart. And then he takes it into himself. <laughs> he lets all her hurt and what's tearing him apart tear him apart. He goes and be with her. He is with her. See, you know what we call that? We call that love. <laughs> That's what real love looks like. Um, I, you know, in the first service, I kind of stopped before I was about to say this because I, 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 I thought it might be just too hard to say. You don't want, you don't want to hear it, but I, I think it's worth hearing. Most of us don't actually want love. You don't actually want real love. You know how you can tell? Because there's all kinds of opportunities to enter into real love. And we always choose fix it clean. Because <laughs> it's costly. But when Jesus says it, here she is, falling apart, hurt, just like horrific hurt. He enters into it and he weeps. <laughs> It's a truth and a love. See, a big truth. A truth so big we don't even want it. <laughs> and then a love so deep and so close and so present. It will hurt with us and for us. Um, I want to say this thing, you know, in our, in our life, we typically, um, if we could choose a God who's fix-it God or a God who loves us, how about you, most of the time, we'd rather have the fix-it God. 
You know, there was a time in my life where I, I got really sick and I almost died. <laughs> and the nurse in the ICU asked me who my surgeon was. It was a neurosurgeon. It was serious. <laughs> he saved my life. And I said his name, and she said, oh, he's the best. That's the guy I want working on me. He fixed, he fixed what was wrong up here. I think he did anyway. Some of you might debate, okay? <laughs> um, and, but he didn't love me. <laughs> when he saw me hurting, when he saw my brother hurting, he saw my mom and dad hurting, and he saw my wife hurting, he didn't cry. <laughs> if God could be that kind of neurosurgeon fixer for you, Almost all of us, we pick him. Me too. I pick him. God is like <laughs> that doctor, like writ large. That's not what he does. God comes up into his life. Sometimes intentionally lets the hurt happen. And then he offers something else. Something else. He says, this is who I am. I'm the resurrection and the life. The resurrection, this is the way he behaves. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? The resurrection and the life actually does not go around the suffering. It goes right into it. If you want to see how the resurrection and the life handles things, he shows up with a big truth, bigger than we want, and a deep love, deeper than we right into the hurt. And so, that goes back to my sermon title. Truth and love meets suffering. This is our God. I'm going to do something daring right here now. Um, you guys have all heard this question before. It's a big, big philosophical question. It's one of those college type questions. If you're like an intellectual going to go off to college and we're going to actually think about these kind of questions, right? Why did God allow suffering? I'm going to actually try to dare answer that question right now. It's not because I'm so smart. It's because it's right here. It's from the Bible. Jesus. But actually, that's not a very good question. Why did God allow suffering? It's kind of like an intellectual abstract kind of question that, you know, you'd like, you know, it's like a parlor game type of question. And if you don't want to think about it, you don't have to think about it. It's like, like nerdy people think about those questions, right? No, it's, but, you know, it's actually very, very relevant to everybody. As long as you're not suffering, and that's the way we are, and then when we're like that, we think, God loves me. <laughs> God loves me. And when your life is going good, God loves me. It's like an idea, but it's not a very powerful idea. Occasionally you feel it. But most of us, but then when the bottom drops out, then we really find out who believes God loves you. I've been a pastor a long time. I found out that a lot of Christians don't seem to really believe that God loves them. Me too. And the bottom drops out. Now, why did God allow suffering is not 
an abstract question. It's actually a very, very personal question. Why did God allow my suffering? It's very personal. Very, very personal. Um, here's the way I'd like to put it, try to put it this way. If, uh, if everything's going great in your life, and if a person says they love you, you actually don't know. They just like you. <laughs> they just like you. You know? You meet this girl, she's pretty. I'm so in love with you. That's what, the, that's what you know, ladies, and the guy's going to say that to you. <laughs> You're the love of my life. And then give you that little ring, and which theoretically costs him two months salary, maybe more, you know? And, and then everything's going great. He says he loves you. Maybe. Maybe he just likes you. <laughs> and when we say God loves me, maybe we're just saying he likes me. But when the bottom drops out, you find out who loves you. You find out if there's real love in your life. Suffering is actually necessary for us to learn what real love is. Suffering is actually Even the angels are like, you know, they know God is a loving God. But then they watch Jesus go to the cross. And then the angels blew up. They're like, that's our God. Huh. When someone will be that big and his presence will be that close and he'll weep with you and let your pain come into you and start to like, hurt him or her, now you know you're in the presence of real love. And in all the horrific things that happen in life, God said, this is more. This is my glory. If you believe in me, you'll see who I really am. Let me close this message. We're dealing with a God on the other side of the cross. Different religions may tell you that God loves you. <laughs> only one, only one will tell you he'll be with you and take on all your hurt and weep for you. <laughs> it's the only one. There's only one religion that tells you that. It's this one the gospel. It's Jesus. But understand what we're dealing with here. A God on the other side of the death, on the other side of the dying, on the other side of suffering. That's what we're dealing with here. That's the real God. All the time, we want to bypass the, the suffering and the cross and the dying. And then we want him to show up. It's like, just like, just bypass that. And then, boom, fix it, God. Super surgeon. We're praying for that all the time. And then he regularly says, so frustrating to us, <laughs> so frustrating, but he regularly, his answer is no. 
because I love you. Because you actually don't want to receive love. You actually just only want power. You just want the power. But what you really need is me. You need the love. And you can't learn that unless you go through the pain. Because I will go through the pain with you. And then you'll find out that on the other side is love forevermore. That's resurrection and the life. Now I'm going to close with um, one of my go-tos, Tim Keller. Um, this is book King's Cross. Chapter called The Ransom. I've read most of this book. It's the best chapter. It's awesome. It is awesome. If you want to read the whole book, just read this chapter, okay? It's worth it. I promise you. But this is how he puts it. All right, well, let me get there. Jesus didn't have to die despite God's love. He had to die because of God's love. Because this is who he is. I am the resurrection life. I am the I am. I am love itself. I am the truth and I am the love. The resurrection and the life, all the same. He's all saying the same thing. He had to die because of God's love and he had to be this way. It had to be this way because all life-changing love is substitutionary sacrifice. You know? If it isn't life-changing love, it, I don't even know if it's real love. It's just kind of like pleasant-like. All real life-changing love is substitutionary sacrifice. So listen, think about it. If you love a person whose life is all put together and has no major needs, it costs you nothing. It's delightful. There are probably four or five people like that where you live. You ought to find them and become their friend. That's why people don't like church. Because church is filled with too many messed up people. Inside church, then we go inside a church and we're looking for the four or five people that got no problems. I want to be their friend. So great to be their friend. And then we avoid all the other people that like messed up. Messed up, like spilling into my life. But if you ever try to love somebody who has needs, someone who is in trouble, who is persecuted or emotionally wounded, which is, in other words, like almost everybody, at one time or another, is everybody. It's going to cost you. You can't love them without taking a hit yourself. A transfer of some kind is required so that somehow their troubles, their tr problems transfer to you. There are a lot of wounded people out there. They're emotionally sinking. They're hurting and they desperately need to be loved. They don't just need a pill. They don't just need to fix it. They don't just need money. They need to be loved. We're never going to solve the, the problem of poverty in America with money. You get that? You know why? Oh, let's just go throw. 
I, I, I literally wish we could just give all the poor people $100,000 a year for like 10 years. And then we'll find out this does not work because they need to be loved. So do you. So do I. And there, when they're with you, you want to look at your watch and make a graceful exit. <laughs> you ever done that? I've done it. I've done it more often than you because I'm a pastor. <laughs> As a pastor, you're supposed to show up when they're hurting. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm very, very good at looking at the watch. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't do that to you. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Because listening to them with all their problems can be grueling. It is grueling. It can be exhausting to be a friend to an emotionally damaged person. That's interesting. That's like, it's exhausting to be a friend. I was like, period. Let's put the period right there. The only way they're going to start filling up emotionally is if somebody loves them. And the only way to love them is to let yourself be drained. <laughs> Some of your fullness is going to have to go into them, and you have to empty out to some degree. If you hold on to your emotional comfort and simply avoid those people, they will sink. You know what that just means? When you're there, it's just a matter of time. It'll be you. And then when everybody else does to you what you did to them, avoid them, you will sink. And in this time, we all know that's happening. We're all afraid it's going to happen to me. It is happening to me. <laughs> the only way to love them is through substitutionary sacrifice. The God on the other side of the cross is like this. This is a really interesting passage. At the end, he does the power thing. Boom. <laughs> but in the middle is where the gospel is. <laughs> Because the, what, the bottom dropped out. He actually let it happen. But then he came and gave something more. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the biggest truth. I am the love that will enter into your hurt. Give me the hurt. Put it into me. I'll make you the trade. Give me all your dying. It'll cause me to die. It'll be grueling. It's worse than grueling. It'll be excruciating. It's a nail. It's thorns. It's a pierce. It's a turning away from God. It's like horrific, hellish loneliness without love. Give that to me. Give that to me. And I'll give you myself. <laughs> Resurrection and the life. I'll give you my love. I will love you. This is our God. And if you can believe in this, then maybe, maybe you can, next time somebody comes to you and they're like falling apart and you're like, oh, this will be hard. You can say, but you know what? It's only temporary actually. Some of the life will flow out of me when some of their death comes into me. 
There's some of their suffering come, cause my suffering. And then, and then, but when I do, I'm loving them. Like Jesus loved me. Maybe Jesus helped me because I can't do this. You'll do it with Jesus. You'll do it in Jesus. You're living eternal life. <laughs> You're living out something like a heavenly life. And when the love comes out, now we have life. <laughs> now we have real life. Let's pray. Lord, we're going to go to your table. And we confess to you, we don't even see you. <laughs> I often feel that 70, 80% of the time, maybe 90% of the time when I'm praying to you, Jesus, I don't actually want the real you. What you want to give is the real you. What I want from you is fix it, God. I want stuff from you. I want power from you. I want privileges from you. But thank you, Lord Jesus, for saying, who's hung? No. <laughs> Why don't you let me love you? Thank you for saying, John, let me love you. And today, as we go to your table, help us to repent of the ways we don't even see you. Help us to repent of the way we blame you. Help us to repent of the unfaith, the devilish lies that make us feel like you are so disappointing and you don't love us. But instead, today, as we go to your table, help us to let you love us. Especially for anybody listening today who's really, really hurting. Help us to let you love us. In Jesus' name. Amen.